0: Oh, yeah. And if you let your boy BC digress for a second, I got something new to tell you about. How about the all new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe, right? How about a vehicle equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family? And if you're looking for features, the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has you covered, like available H-Trek all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some of that mud. And with standard third-row seating, you can make sure the whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads make sure no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Make sure you can worry less about the rugged terrain to come. Want to learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe? Head on over to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's a 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
1: Reveille, Reveille, dogs.
0: Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion.
1: That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is the 3rd of May, 2021, and it is time, diggity-donks, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm from CBS Sports and Showtime and a bunch of other places in the Viacom CBS family. And I am joined by the uh, Wars to My Info. The Anon to, well, he's the Q to my Anon, I should say. He's everyone's least favorite, and yet most favorite, the King of Connecticut himself, Brian Campbell. Brian Campbell, how are you? Good, sir.
0: Hi, Luke. Uh, Like the immortal uh, UFC patriot Canada's own Harold Scott Howard once said, if you're coming on, then come on. So uh, I'm coming on.
1: All right, good. I'm glad to see it. No message in the background for the audience today, huh? No,
0: because here's the deal, Luke. Not that excited about today's show. In fact, you know, people can probably turn off now because uh, this could be a little bit more of a mail-in since the car to pick you up <laughs> is in route. You and I, Luke, heading on down to the Mohegan Tribal Reservation for not only all things Bellator 258, but if you will, Luke, a week long cornucopia of all things mk we're filming a doc we got a live interview special we got weigh-in reaction we got a lot of shit going on this week and i can't wait luke to see you in person to you know tickle the gallbladder a little like you know to ch- check ch- a little, little how's your father find out how you are and also luke um mail in today's show so uh yeah there you go
1: well, we don't have to mail in today's show. We just have to be done by twelve thirty because the car is taking me. Literally, the instant the show is over, I have to shut my suitcase, get to the car, and I have to go to the airport because I got to get there tomorrow. We have to quarantine. We have to COVID test, despite being you know vaccinated, which is weird. But we're gonna do it because we're we're team players here. BC, I think you know that as well as I do. And uh, and then we have a huge week in store. They don't want us to promote the things <laughs> that we're actually going to be doing. Uh, because everything is up in the not everything is up in the air, but things change. I've discovered at the last minute quite often. We keep
0: promoting this new merch line. I haven't seen it yet. All right, all right. So if you're coming on Showtime's merch department, then come on already. Okay, I want the people wearing these eyes on the tattoo on titty saying "Big BC." All right, let's do this.
1: Uh, fair enough. So we, but okay, on the schedule, I can tell you this: each day there is a ton of stuff going on. So be on the lookout for um, for some good stuff coming your way. Yeah, okay? the bonus so cup
0: will be that. runneth over, Luke. Maybe a little room yeah. service diaries. I mean, I'm so ready. I am so amped up, Luke. I'm, I'm considering yeah. uh, an injection of testosterone right to the bag just to kind of see what happens next, you know?
1: Yeah, your, your testicles might work for once, huh? That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Look, post three needles, not
0: a lot going on down there, all right? I don't know. Uh, fair enough. For that? Fair yeah, enough. I'm only go,
1: teasing. Right. I'm only teasing. I will say this, BC. We do have a lot of other stuff on the calendar, but one thing I know that we can promote for sure, for sure, there will be some type of weigh-in coverage on Thursday. Uh, that's a little up in the air about exactly what it will look like, but there will be some. And more importantly, live post-fight show for Bellator 258. So as soon as Bellator 258 is over... Head over to us. We'll have the link out for you. We're gonna have a post-fight show. I think in the arena. We'll actually be, be BC. We weren't even allowed on the premises last time. This time we're in the arena. We're moving on up. You understand? Yeah,
0: that? we are. We are. We are getting there, Luke. Okay. Maybe maybe a live interview special too. So I'm just. It's going to be a special week. So you should probably tune out now. This show probably already hit its peak. But uh, I'll still talk about the weekend if you want me to because I don't know if you saw that Savage Yuri Prohatska. Good lord, Luke. Wow. Wow, We have a lot brother. to get
1: to. We have a lot to get to with that. Wow. So first things first, as always thumbs up on the video hit subscribe welcome to any new subscribers if this is your first show we'll do this three times a week plus a whole lot more this week if you want to try showtime of course you can follow us there blah 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 blah. you can see it uh if you want to try showtime you certainly can you can go to showtime.com get a 30-day free trial if you're ready to take that plunge you can see the link below right there show.com slash bellator mma if you sign up now you get the first six months of all of showtime live and on demand everything for five bucks a month, for the first six months. So there's your link, show.com slash Bellator MMA. We are still going to do fan submissions. We are still going to do Dead or Wrong real quickly, BC. So morningcombat at gmail.com. Keep them coming. We always appreciate them when you do. You were going to say good, sir. I
0: was going to say, Luke, you know when one of your mid-tier friends, not one of your rider dies, your high school bros, your whatever, but one of your mid-tier friends asks you to come over for like a party, and you're like, I don't really want to say yes, because I kind of want to find out first who's going. People may have that same trepidation of hitting that subscribe button and getting on this rocket ship, MK, that's taken off. But I want you to know that uh, the celebrity guest list of clientele that watched this show on the reg, it's growing mm. large. So I'd love to welcome mm. uh, ECW legend, uh, the great Scott Levy, a.k.a. quote the Raven, nevermore, to what's going on here on MK. Big fan, uh, Mutual Admiration Society, Spider-Man meme. I see you, brother. All right?
1: All right, there you go, very good. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, if you want some merch, the old merch, <laughs> uh, store. Dude, it's a little weird we're getting like complacent about having a store on the Showtime website. I feel like that's still pretty cool, but I admit, I don't know where 2.0 is at at this point. But if you want the old one, store.show.com, there you go, you can get your MK merch. Uh, okay, BC, anything else before we get started? No, no, look,
0: that car's coming to pick you up, so let's get this shit on the road, all right?
1: All right, so let's get it on the road indeed. First things first, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about that UFC main event. We all knew it was going to be action-packed, and it delivered and then some. Okay, Yuri Prochocka defeats Dominic Reyes in uh, what can only be said as, number one, a KO. Number two, spinning back elbow. Number three, not a TKO, full-on KO. He was out-out. Maybe a contender of the year for uh, fight of the year. Or excuse me, I should say um, knockout of the year. Uh, You could go on and on. BC, in your mind, after Glover Teixeira, because that fight is already booked. Is Yuri Prohachka the next to contend for a UFC light heavyweight title?
0: According to Dana White, he is. And what a wild, wild turn of events. And it's not like, you know, his UFC debut against Volkan Ozdemir was the first time any of us had heard of him. No, we'd sort of seen some of the damage he's been doing in Risen. I mean, I'm a my gigantic Risen fan. We had seen the damage he had been doing. But to finally make the move to UFC when he felt he was most ready... And to come in here with a pair of destruction victories and now be on the doorstep of a title shot, it's just like, whoa, how did this happen? How did we get here? And I know your big, your boy BC told you last week, you know, the pick here is Dom Reyes on Plus Money. And Luke. It was why a lot of us saw Yuri Prohatsko against Volkan Ozdemir get lit up early. He fights a wild and out of control style, which, to your point, as you said in the preview, he's going to beat some guys along the way. But the totality of this performance against Dom Reyes, I mean, he shaved off some of the fat on the, you know, curved on the edges of his game. And this was brutal deluxe. Yes, Speedball 2 for your old old school PC gamers. This was as violent a finish Luke when you take into account not just the spinning elbow out of nowhere, but the fact that Dom Reyes' head bounced off the canvas in such a scary sort of basketball way. Uh, this was some vicious shit and he had to walk through hell to get there and he didn't have a mark on his face in doing so. He really only had that one moment where he was wobbly and got taken down, but he fought out of the guillotine. I mean, this was a guy who's putting his balls on the line, going full speed ahead and basically saying, who can handle the heat in this kitchen? It's great for TV. You love sort of the weird martial arts elements of what he's doing with the haircut and and the respect and all that. But at the end of the day, Luke, he's going to push an insane pace in front of you and mind you, it's, there's, it's not like, you know, he's not the only guy that comes out aggressive and comes after you. We've seen a lot of that. But there aren't a lot of aggressive guys who can have the combination of the chin and the technique in some of these potential finishing blows. He is a dangerous piece of business that is a threat to win this championship. And a week ago, I knew he was fun. I knew he was scary. I didn't know he could do this to dom reyes so well done shout out to the antenna picking up the wi-fi signal there inside the uh the apex luke how good is he how the frick good is this guy
1: he's very good he's very very good here's what i would say about him i said this on twitter immediately afterwards and some folks agreed some folks didn't and after a little bit of time of thinking about it i will amend it slightly at first i said he was kind of like a justin gaethje at 205 now not the reformation justin gaethje the one that fought like uh michael um who's the guy he fought his debut johnson johnson yeah he fought michael johnson a little bit more like that this guy who just come forwards Comes forward, excuse me, puts on insane amounts of pressure and kind of gets lit up doing it. But because he's got this sort of style adapted, he's going to win out in the end. And to that point, you know, he had a negative differential in terms of strikes landed versus absorbed before the fight. The good news is he now has a positive differential, but not by much. He lands on average in his two UFC fights 7.19 strikes per minute, which is insanely high. That is, I mean, folks, if you're in the threes on that, you're doing well. Four would be high. is astronomical he's this guy is sitting at seven i mean that is and he punches hard too like those are a very legitimate seven the downside is he's sitting at strikes of sword per minute at 6.8 let me just tell you something folks the math on this is pretty clear if you're getting hit 6.8 times a minute on average you know you're gonna take an l eventually in the ufc there is an issue with his defense but you gotta understand what makes this guy so magical He's a little bit less like a Justin Gaethje in the way that I thought before, though that pressure and getting hit so much, that is real. But it's a little bit like Tony Ferguson plus the old Justin Gaethje at 205. It's a little bit of, like, why do we like Yuri Prohachka? He's kind of weird. He has a weird hairstyle. He has a weird way of looking at the world. He's got a weird fight style. But he's also insanely, insanely talented, formidable, It won't last forever, but right now he's got a rock chin, an absolute granite piece attached to his neck, and that has enabled him to just do these insane risk-taking things that are full of excitement, BC, full of fun, and I got to tell you, he is very capable of winning that title.
0: Luke, we want people, you know, in a casual sense, right? We want people to just go out there and empty the damn tank in the first five minutes and just brawl, right? There's a reason you don't see that, right? I mean, remember when Derek Brunson did that to Robert Whittaker and he made it a shitbag crazy five minutes and it got knocked out. And I think the reason why you don't see that is if you're not the fighter with the better technique and setup and all that, more than likely you're going to get knocked out unless your opponent has a distinct weakness in the terms of like his backbone or his chin or whatever. Yet what Prochatska did, I mean, the way that I handed the cap that fight, now I was wrong, all right? Anybody that bet money on my on my bets, uh, maybe that's why Luke isn't willing to put his balls on the line to take that out. I'll be dead wrong here. But what I to- what I essentially thought in my head was Prochatska's going to do exactly what he's going to do. He's going to step on the gas. The problem is Tom Reyes is really freaking good. He understands footwork, boxing, counter angles. He also has a stick on him. Yet, Luke, you saw that. Reyes responded to Prohatska's pressure probably the best way any elite fighter could. He he swiveled, he sat down on his counter shots. Yeah, he got banged up a bit early. But you, there were stretches in the fight where Reyes, by far, was landing the cleaner, better shots. And to your point just now about the chin, he wasn't going anywhere, meaning Prohatska. So when somebody is willing to do that, I mean, just walk into traffic, the shelf life is going to be short. But, you know, to cue up Michael Chandler's uh, famous quote, you know, I don't think Yuri Prochaska's here for a long time, right? I mean, he's (laughs) here for a good-ass time, and there may not be somebody that stops him before he puts that piece of gold around his waist. And maybe a week ago, I was like, more reckless than talented, but I love watching him. But that reckless level and that talent level is coming together pretty high, and it's making yep. a special concoction. I cannot believe Dom Reyes has lost three fights in a row, including two by knockout, including one in which he was face-splattered on the ground. But holy shit, we are here, Luke. And maybe there's something to—and they mentioned it on the broadcast, it's not an original BC idea, but maybe this is something to what Prohatska did— The reason why, if you hadn't seen him or heard of him before UFC, where you're like, where'd this guy come from? The reason why it took him so long and he built up such a streak 11 in a row before this fight, now 12 in a row, is because he did want to wait until he felt he was a finished product. We don't see that anymore, Luke. Everybody's getting thrown or rushed in. If you If you show a pulse on the Dana White Contender Series, they'll launch you into a big fight. So there's something to what he did. Yeah, it's a style that very few could mimic. Yes, it's a style that I'm not even sure Prochatska himself for a long period of time can sustain. But again, it's a perfect storm at the moment. It's must-see freaking TV. I can't believe Dana is already giving this guy a title shot. But when you're riding that kind of run and you look that great, um, what do you think the betting odds are going to look like? When Prochazka goes in there against the winner of Blahovic and Glover Teixeira, he may end up being favored, I, Luke. Seriously,
1: he, it's he, wild. He might. It's a, You know what? I was thinking about this. I'm like, okay, so let's say he does get the title shot next, which we all at this point expect. What would it look like depending on the matchup? You got to like it either way because on the feet, Teixeira is not going to play those games, which is to say he's either going to fall victim to them or he's just not going to play them. He's going to go for the takedown, which we know. You know, he's got, not only does uh, a guy like Share have great takedowns, he can pass. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I mean, look at the ground and pound. He was dislodging the teeth of Anthony Smith, so that could get interesting. But Prochka finds offense anywhere, so that's going to be difficult no matter what. The one that actually, to me, is a little bit more interesting, if you think about it, BC, would actually be the current champion, Jan Blahovic, And I'll tell you why. Prochka has a need to speed the fight up. Right, he wants to corner you. He wants you to make mistakes. He wants you to extend, and that's when he just begins to build on things over and over and over again. But he's the waves are constantly crashing into the shore. Well, what does Blahovich do? The opposite. He likes to slow things down a little bit, make the pace a little bit more calm, so he can blitz you, so he can you know find a way to get uh, set a trap at the last minute. Like he's very much about that kind of style of fighting and so what would win out there the frenetic frantic pace of Prochazka, or the more slow down even keeled pace of Blahovic? and the answer is i have no idea but you gotta love how the two match up there
0: yeah no, absolutely i do i love bilal Mohammed's tweet i believe it was bilal who by the way has become a very good follow and they feature him a lot on the screen during ufc fights he said essentially prohachka is what Johnny Walker could have been or should have been if he had, you know, sort of figured it all out. And obviously, there's still time for Johnny Walker, and he is figuring some, some stuff out. But, Luke, I did see some natural critics going, okay, crazy-ass fight. Prohaska lured Dom Reyes into a, you know, into a shit fest of, of wildness, and it just so happened that year he came out on top. But what's he going to do against a legit wrestler? What's he going to do against a guy with a ground game? Well, look, uh, Jan Blahowitz can wrestle. Glover Teixeira is second half of his career now in this re-emergence is more about technique, efficiency on the ground. What are you, your eyes? Because your eyes are a lot more trained to this than mine. In fact, Luke, I was prepared to mail in this show until I remembered how exciting Pro Hotska is and made me and my blood's just boiling right now. But your eyes can see, Luke. I mean, if you could only see, right? Right, Luke? You know, maybe you'd understand. Do you understand the flaws in this man? Can they be exposed by an elite here?
1: For sure. I mean, dude, Dominic Reyes was landing on this guy. You look at the numbers. Dominic landed almost 40 punches on him in the first round. I mean, that's a lot of damage, folks. It wasn't like Reyes was firing, and then Prochka has a little bit of defense, too. He'll block. He'll move a little bit. It's not like he just stands there completely, but... The way in which he fights, it just opens him up to these kinds of things. And Reyes was landing straight hard shots on him, and not just jabs either, man. Straights, crosses, the whole nine yards. When, when I said straight previously, I meant linear. But you know, he's coming with the power hand. The the key to this whole thing is, I think, a couple of things. Like if like imagine Saint Pierre was two oh five, right? Imagine he was. How would Saint Pierre fight this guy? Saint Pierre would stick behind the jab, lateral movement, constant fakes and feints, and he'd be going for the takedown pretty considerably. I don't think he would spend a lot of time on the feet because what was Saint-Pierre's defining feature for that last big chapter of his career? It was reducing the amount of chaos that is actually possible in the course of a high-level MMA fight. How do you reduce just the the, the crazy amount of variables that could change the direction of this at any time? He was very good at that. Prochaska lives in that space. You know, you're playing with him too long against the fence and it seems like he misses, then then he comes right back with that. You simply cannot allow that. You have to really close the space on him and put him... One of the benefits of being a dominant grappler, BC, is that when you are doing what you're doing, whether you're underneath or on top, you are going to create scenarios where you're forcing your opponent to pick a choice. You're going to go left, you're going to go right. And no matter which way you go, I know exactly what I have to do once you get there. They have the routes to submissions or other dominant positions already planned out. You need to put Prochka in that situation. You need to put him in a situation where he is having to respond to the choices you lay out for him. Because if you just give him open space, even if you land hard punches on him, for now, it is simply not enough. It is not enough. He defies all the rules in that way. So it's going to take someone, BC, who is disciplined the entire time. That is hard to I do. I think
0: Jan has that, though. Yeah, you know, again, Jan is he in does. his own sort of small window, given his age, of finding out how great he can be. He might be that perfect solution, but he's got to get through Glover first. I think this all just plays together to something I teased on Friday's show that... uh you know, 205 is turning around pretty quickly for the UFC. When Jon Jones left, there was a large gaping hole there. There didn't seem to be a star waiting, although we all pre-anointed Dom Reyes to maybe be that guy. Uh, the business that they're making now, it's pretty damn fun. So uh, I know there's a lot of Rakic fans out there. Let's see if he can parachute into this mix. But uh, this very elite crust now at 205, they're making fun fights. I love it. I love it. And yeah, look, you I, mean, I gotta said- tell you,
1: a Rakic versus Prohodzka fight, that's that's nuts. Yeah, That's nuts. You had mentioned, also, you know, listen, are... hold on. We're, we're here, we're going to be going to Bellator, uh this week, and we should say that a lot. Bellator's light heavyweight division is tremendous, maybe one of their best, maybe one of the best, light, maybe the best division uh, anywhere for light heavyweights of any organization. That's a real thing you could maybe argue. But I also just want to say when you got the Rakiches coming up and you've got the Prochakas coming up and you see what they've got, you still got some old guys hanging around out there with Teixeira and Blahovich, dude. Don't lose sight of UFC's light heavyweight division either. It's a good division over there. It's a great one, and you begin to see, to your point, BC, some of these other guys emerge. I, lo- I love it when some of these faces begin to put their, you know, stamp their uh, their flag in the ground, so to speak.
0: I love it. I love it, Luke.
1: All right, Love it. so let's go to point number two here, if we can, BC, on the co-main. This one broke my heart a little bit, not because we have anything against the winner, but because the loser in this particular case is so well-liked. But they are what they are. Giga Chikadze, one of these guys out of this Georgian revolution that's happening inside UFC and MMA more broadly. Well, he made short work of Cub Swanson, hit him with a body shot, it folded him, followed him up, And that was all she wrote. So BC, we knew this was maybe kind of a, not torch passing exactly, but new guard kind of replacing old guard fight. Your biggest takeaway is what from this win?
0: that uh, I need to get on board and figure out how to pronounce this guy's name, Luke, because he's not going anywhere. <laughs> eight fights, uh, eight wins in a row since that Dana White Contender Series loss. And you see the confidence. I mean, you see the nastiness with that kind of strike hitting that spot, right? That that game-ending spot where even a guy like Cub Swanson, who I don't think, you know, I'm not going to speak for myself, but I don't think we as a MMA society, like, revel as much as we should and how fun cub swanson can make fights whether he's fighting guys on the way up whether he's fighting elites i mean he makes so many fun fights because he just guts it out and you know he got kicked in the guts and in that one spot that you just can't come back from so yeah it, it seems like chigazzi has figured out how to be nasty how to be great I don't know where he fits in, though, in this in this crowded title picture at the moment. And certainly, it's going to be see going to be fun as it always is when you have a lot of contenders at the top to see how the land sort of lays out. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to you on this, Luke. You know, th- we didn't learn a lot in the 63 seconds it took him to take down Cub Swanson, but this is an eye-opening victory. How ready do you think he is for the type of top five elite in this you know pretty packed division at the moment that we're seeing I mean uh I saw some kind of tweet saying uh uh Chikadze wanted Yaya Rodriguez and that would be freaking fireworks I mean for insane but how ready is he in your eyes for these guys
1: I think pretty ready uh you know if you look at his UFC fights they started out a little bit like very close to split decisions although one of them I thought he won outright shouldn't have been split but in any case and then he had two in a row that were just regular unanimous decisions. And then in his last two, granted, I think the one before this was maybe a late replacement. But in any case, uh, he's had finishes. So he went from splits to unanimous to now stoppages. And the stoppage he got over Cub Swanson, I think I would have two takeaways about this. One, I do think Giga Chikazzi has is now ready for a step up in competition. You know, making that switch from kickboxing, it's kind of hard. Not just that you have to work on all the forms of your takedown defense, but like you saw in the Curtis Millender fight, I was arguing like you know he had some issues about making choices that exacerbated his weaknesses versus making choices that limit them. You're seeing Giga Chikadze make choices that limit his weaknesses, in addition to then working on them in a direct and open way, and that's paying huge dividends because now he's letting his strikes go a little bit more. I also think Cub Swanson, certainly, you know one of the great action fighters that we've had the pleasure of covering has been here since the blue mat days of WEC and is still out here putting on, even when he loses, You know, they, his fights are never boring. Um, and I don't think his last couple of wins were in any way accidental, but I do think this fight probably represents more of his future than, at the UFC level anyway, than, than the opposite, which is to say... Giga, young guy, still coming up in the game. Cub, been there, kind of done that. Still good enough to hang on and give the right guy some tough fights. I don't think retirement was the vibe that I got from this BC because he did mount some nice wins previous to this one. But I do think that if you're the UFC matchmakers, I think and if you're Cub too, you probably need to be realistic about what kind of fights you should be in, what kind of fights are winnable, where that puts you, and then what that next, maybe this very last chapter of his career will look like. So I didn't. I don't know about you. I didn't get the oh, this guy's washed and he can never win another fight again vibe. No, but I did get the feeling like you know the world is changing underneath you a little bit, and you got to recognize that.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, I I hope he recognizes sort of where he fits in now at the, at this you know twilight of his run, where again he can still be the he, you know he's a celebrity gatekeeper. We hate that term because it implies. Something negative, but it's not. He's a you know a big name guy who, if you're going to be a real contender, you got to beat him, and he's beat guys that we thought might have become or on were on their way to becoming uh, contenders. I mean, look, my favorite Cub Swanson fight, the Do who Choi fight. I mean, it was insane, fight of the year, and it also taught us where you know uh, Choi was and, and where he was going. But I think he benefits from the style of this loss, not just that it was so quick, but when you get hit to the body and get stopped that way, Luke. It's not because you can't absorb strikes anymore. It's because somebody hit you in that bullseye that's there, that's, that's out there if somebody can find it on you, right? You can end a fight with that, and it just was, you know, it so happened, that happened. But I would like to see Cub have a Rich Franklin-type twilight here where, you know, okay, he's going to fight the up-and-comer who needs the test, but I also like to see him against some other old guys who we can make fun old guy fights with. So maybe that's the direction we go moving forward from here, Luke.
1: And also, you just gotta be realistic here too, BC. We talk about all the time. There was a time in UFC where I did not pay as much attention. Always you gotta pay some attention, but I wasn't quite as focused on youth um, and how important that was. But now as the sport matures, Guys are getting started earlier. They're going to finish earlier. You know, it's just a, it's a grind generally. I do think it's worth paying attention to now. Cubs Watson not completely over the hill. Thirty seven. He won't be thirty eight till November, so he's got a little bit of time left. But at thirty eight, at one hundred and forty five pounds, I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over again. You know, whether you're Tyron Woodley, thirty nine at one seventy, or you know, uh, obviously thirty eight for Bulhovic is not nearly the same situation. But at 145 pounds, that's a hard place to be, man. It's just hard. No matter how good you are, no matter what you've done, it's just going to be really difficult to win fights consistently anyway uh, at at that time. So I don't think that Cub looked terrible. Gig is amazing. But I do think that figuring out exactly where you are, being honest about it and what lies ahead, I do think he has to have that conversation. And a smart guy like Cub probably already has. By the way, he makes great coffee. Who, Cub? Cub. Cub. Yeah, no bullshit. His, uh, they call it Killer Cub Coffee. It's it's delicious. It's one of Is the best the celebrity thing? coffees I've ever had.
0: Like, I tried Stipe's Firehouse Coffee, and it's fantastic. And uh, I know Anthony Johnson, I was with him on, on the uh, Bellator virtual press conference call offline, and he was like, hey, man, let me get your address. I'll send you my coffee. And I'm like, damn right. In fact, I said, hey, Rumble, you're going to... T H C infuse that for me, and he said, "No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, we're not I mean, doing how that." How awesome but, would uh,
1: that be to get a cup of coffee where you can get the high of the caffeine, so to speak, of the beverage? Yeah, so from
0: I'll it. try Cubs coffee, uh, no question about it. Uh, you took me off my train of thought there. I had a, a oh, I got it quickly here, Luke. We we've talked in the past because of this recent rise of of the caucus region mma superstar and i think we've seen that in boxing in the previous decade where the rise of the ukrainians and the cossacks and the russians and all that and we know that there's been eras in the sport luke whether it be the brazilians the american wrestlers where a certain demographic has had a great deal of success um even though ufc is investing a shit ton of money in china right now to put a performance institute and find great fighters and by the way if, if uh If um, Zhang Wei Li is any indication, you know that's a great investment. Uh, UFC Africa is really the future, right? I mean, they're not even remotely tapped into the type of fighters that they could get from there with a organized, structured training program. Do you see that as the next big boom, like five, ten years from now? Or is it going to be quicker because of the three champions we have at the moment?
1: See, here's the thing. First of all, Ukraine's not part of the Caucasus Mountains, so to be clear about that. But the other part is yeah, it's close enough, Luke. Mountains. It's close. I mean,
0: it's close. It's, it's close. close, to it's, not, close. Right? it's close.
1: It's close. It's on the other side of the Black Sea. But yeah, um, here's what I would say. When you you're, you're right about one thing, hundred percent. The athletic potential that is just untapped out of sub-Saharan Africa, well, North North Africa too it's it's almost comical how much just goes unused and what else could be there the problem is you got to find a way to make use of it which is to say the culturally in places like georgia and azerbaijan and armenia and russia blah 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 those places they culturally already make a huge priority out of strength sports uh, out of combat sports They have already much more facilities to do it. They already have a training facilities and culture and coaches. They've just got the entire infrastructure in place and the cultural priority to go and and produce the kinds of talent you're seeing. I'm not going to say that all parts of that area are super rich, but they're not nearly the kind of destitute poverty you might see throughout parts of sub-Saharan Africa. So it's like, is there plenty of talent in Africa? Yes, but you someone has to build the gyms. Someone has to get the trainers. Someone has to bring in the people to come and train and then produce uh, competitions for them to stay active and then pay purses and blah, blah, blah. You just have so many different pieces of the puzzle that are missing there that is unfortunate because, to your point, you just see guys like Francis. You're like, Francis is obviously quite special. There's no doubt about it. But there's got to be a lot of other guys who are at least semi close to that you know or or in all the other weight classes how do we find and and really tap into that and i don't have a good answer for you well i think it was you
0: know harold scott howard who once said luke if you build it they will come so if you're coming on then come on (laughs) already all right right? you know but you know luke i was thinking about you know where 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 else is there an untapped market down the road and i'm thinking look look where i come from what if i started my own gym Factory Town MMA and I really looked for down on their luck ex-football players who now work in like you know uh sanitation and spend their evenings in a dimly lit bar if i can grab those guys resurrect them get them in a gym what you don't understand luke because of your privileged upbringing in old marietta is that guys like uh like me okay from the factory town there's a resolve there brother i mean i'm not yeah, you know i grew I, up
1: in an apartment with a single mom i don't know what upbringing you're referring to uh but I will say this: Factory Town MMA will work, but you've got to go. You got to get the beefy boys. You got to get the heavyweights. That's really where right. you're.
0: I'm thinking we could start printing the shirts already for Merch Side 2.0 if that thing ever launches. Yeah, Factory Town MMA. Um, I gotta. I just gotta hire a, a head instructor, Luke, because I'm gonna handle more of the the motivational side of it. But I, I need an instructor. So
1: all right. Uh, speaking of beefy boys, let's get to point number three here, if we can. So some boxing that happened over the weekend. Now, we kind of panned this fight in terms of, like, did it need to happen? And it didn't. But I got to say, BC, in the words of Max Kellerman, that fight was about the best version of itself that it could have been. In fact, Chris Ariola knocking down Andy Ruiz. But in the end, Ruiz showing his class uh, slimmed down about 30 pounds or so from his Anthony Joshua rematch sort of overweightness struggled a little bit early bc two questions for you one how did you score it in the end how many rounds did you give to areola and then two your biggest takeaway about andy ruiz's upside following this competition
0: yeah i got a lot of takeaways and just first and foremost I teased it. You heard me on Friday's show in that snippet we played of the Ariola interview. We all agreed this shouldn't have been a pay-per-view, but it did have potential to kind of shine. And look, top to bottom, this whole card was like overachieved. It was pretty damn good. It just wasn't a pay-per-view. And I thought Lou DeBella summed it up great, the, the boxing promoter on Twitter, when he said this fight could have been the perfect infomercial. For Andy Ruiz's future and the future of him fighting you know, Wilder and Luis Ortiz, had it been on regular Fox. Now, it wasn't another conversation for another day here, Luke. But at the end of the day, look, uh, this was heavyweight boxing. We did not expect Ariola at 40 to come in this level of shape, the best shape of his career in what was really, you know, in theory, his last chance. Although I've covered a few of his last chances in the, in the past, Luke. He's a guy that's found a way to somehow linger and keep reinventing himself. But you saw Ruiz, who was, you know, come shed. He was 310 pounds to start this training camp. He cut down to 258. He looked in great shape. And then he gets knocked down early. Dude, that's heavyweight boxing. This was fun theater. I think a lot of people, though, saw that, saw him get rocked in the third round, and then sort of did what they normally do. And this is my problem not with the boxing scoring system, but with how boxing fans, sometimes even hardcore boxing fans, view the scoring system which means if you're having a beer at home you're probably not scoring round by round on the 10 point must system you're probably doing a general scoring in your head of what you saw and what we saw over 12 rounds in this fight was an areola who was a threat the whole 12 and he was competitive and he was tough as nails but it doesn't mean he was winning rounds. I scored this fight 11 rounds to 1. I gave mm. Ariola round 2, in wow. which he dropped him. And you know what? In round 3, Ariola rocked Ruiz early. But Ruiz, to his credit, reset, boxed for the final 2 minutes, and actually hurt Ariola in the final 10 seconds, which was enough to give him the edge in a close round. From there on out, Luke, every round it came became more about Ruiz, who I thought in his first fight under Eddie Reynoso and Team Canelo – Boxed beautifully, went to the body. I loved his jab. I loved his combinations. I love that in the championship rounds, you saw Andrew Ruiz actually get busier, actually sit down on his power shots more. So the, the three judges, two of them had it 10 rounds to two. One of them had an 11 rounds to one. And I know Areola went nuts with that, and we'll get to that later and have you seen the shit, but I think even on the broadcast, Sean Porter, who I love, you know that, him and Lennox Lewis, I don't think they were scoring round by round, so they were playing up more on the broadcast that Areola was in this fight. And Luke, the scores don't always tell you the story of the fight. Remember when I got hung over the fire because I scored Thurman Pacquiao, 115-113 for Thurman, 7-5? to Again, because of the 10-point must system. Yes, when you watch that fight, Pacquiao won the fight if we were scoring in the one championship way of who won the fight. Pacquiao scored the knockdown. He, He rocked Thurman a couple times, right? He won that fight. But there's a scoring system involved. So even though this fight was fun, was competitive... You can still lose 11 rounds to one in a competitive fight because somebody's got to win the round on a 10-point must system and Ariola, for as patient and poised. Look, I thought he was going to walk in there and get knocked out. As patient and poised as he was with Joe Goose in, uh, in his corner for the first time, he did not throw enough punches. And Ruiz was the better boxer, had the speed advantage, and that was enough to make Ariola be too selective at the end of the day. So what does this do for Ruiz. I have a major problem with Fox broadcast. How the mm. hell did they not bring up Deontay Wilder's name in that post interview? How do you mm. not have Deontay Wilder present? How are you not connecting the dots and getting us excited? I know Luis Ortiz was in the crowd and Hold I know on,
1: he- just as a just as a doesn't ask you a question, just to interject here very, very, very quickly. Isn't Deontay Wilder a PBC fighter yes. like Andy Ruiz?
0: Yes, and originally this pay-per-view was supposed to have Deontay Wilder on it against former champion Charles Martin in the main event with this Ruiz Ariola fight in the co-main event, which, by the way, would have been a pretty good, you know, a decent pay-per-view and it would have set the, the you know, the future matchup. Um, I know Luis Ortiz, the Cuban heavyweight who fought Wilder twice, he was in the crowd, he claims he wants next. Look, if Ruiz and, and Ortiz is next, I don't have a problem with that. But how do you not mention it? And how, uh, if you're the Fox broadcast team, why are you even bringing up a rematch? I wanted to, like, jump through the screen and shake them. We don't need a rematch. What Ruiz proved to me is he's back. It doesn't mean he'll never be vulnerable. I mean, I tweeted out, Luke, that the fight to make is Andy Ruiz versus Deontay Wilder and that it's a real pay-per-view and that it'll be tremendous theater. And I got about 400 responses on Twitter of people being like, KO1 Wilder. Ruiz can't take a punch. Didn't you see him in there? Are we not watching the same broadcast here, people? All right? I know, I know Like people like to have a few drinks while they watch fights. Andy Ruiz is back. He's a beautiful boxer. But this is heavyweight boxing. You can get caught. The thing about Ruiz that is great is he's dangerous when he's hurt, just like the first Joshua fight. And as long as he's not eating pizza and wings for four months before a training camp, like he did in the Saudi Arabia rematch with AJ, he is a viable heavyweight championship contender. And I think... He, he's a, a a breath of fresh air to this division. Mexican-American brings a big fan base, and he makes fun fights. This was a fun fight on Saturday. Luke, talk me off the ledge. He's a player now. He's where he needs to be physically, and I think style-wise, if he relies on the boxing, he can still get knockdowns, but he's a very skilled fighter in there.
1: I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm mostly in agreement. I'm a slightly less enthusiastic, which is to say... I watched the fight and I thought that um, I wasn't scoring round by round, so I don't have a strong take in that sense. Ariola was bitter. he only got, you know, two three judges or two three rounds on some of the judges' scorecards. But I would say this for sure: Ruiz was the rightful winner. I mean, by a million miles, and he definitely looked better than he had um, in the well. I won't say the first AJ fight, but certainly the second AJ fight. I don't know that he came as far as I was necessarily expecting. I will say that. But the way I think that people are misreading the Wilder fight is like, yes, does Wilder have the kind of power to sit any heavyweight down with a single shot? Yes, he does. He absolutely does have that. And he has that late in a fight, which we've seen. And so for those reasons, he is quite dangerous. But dude, I mean, they're very different fighters in very different sports in very different weight classes. But if I could try to explain Andy Ruiz just a little bit from what I've seen to MMA fans, he's got a little Eddie Alvarez in him. He might get dropped early. And I know Eddie lost his last fight. I understand. But like even in that one, he got dropped, figured out a way, came back and had two rounds that I thought he won. That one doesn't score it that way, but you know, you get the idea. Like he, he has resolve in moments of peril that a lot of guys don't. Dude, Andy Ruiz is just like that, and he's got big combinations. And a guy like Deontay Wilder, you know, he's not going to get better as a boxer getting rid of people in his camp that made him as good as he could be. It's not going to happen. So if you want to favor Wilder to win, great. You think Wilder's going to win overall? No problem. But the idea that Andy Ruiz wouldn't be a very dangerous threat to him I I think that's silly. I think he absolutely would be, and and Wilder, if he doesn't put him away early, I mean, it's not again his power does carry late, but you could just see the fast combinations giving Wilder fits if he can get inside that range. I I, I would love to see that fight.
0: And you know the punch that knocked Ruiz down. Let's give Ariola credit. That was a short right hard shot, hand, yep. right hand hard shot. And look, this was the best version of Ariola ever. A guy I didn't think was possible to recreate at forty. So Dude,
1: I didn't think this guy existed anymore
0: yeah i mean you know it seems that joe Goosen is the right trainer for him and look this is great for heavyweight boxing because uh i don't think ruiz is ever go ever going to be as good or can be as good as the first joshua fight it was just the perfect storm perfect night he got up off the canvas and destroyed aj but i think ruiz is is uh there's a reason why he was a hot prospect people think andy ruiz like came out of the steel mill like he came out of factory town mma and just stumbled into the heavyweight championship Top rank, had him under contract for years. He was just a guy who couldn't put it together, couldn't get in the right shape. Well, again, he could not be in a better spot than Team Canelo, training alongside Canelo, has a defensive, boxing-minded trainer in Eddie Reynoso. We're going to find out how good he can be. Tyson Fury's length, probably going to be a problem for him. But in a trilogy against Joshua, in a fight with Deontay Wilder, in a fight with Luis Ortiz, I think Ruiz is live in those fights. So, you know, this is good for the heavyweight division in a lot of ways. But, God, what the hell are we talking about? A rematch with these two? Stop the madness here, all right? Come on. Seriously. All right.
1: Point number four. Point number four. Let's get back to MMA. And we'll be dealing with this later on this week, BC. Uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson will fight at Bellator 258 BC because they did find a last-minute replacement. All right, let's get into this. Uh, What do you make of the replacement? What do you make of the fight? You were the one that broke the news initially that Yoel was out, which is terrible. But Rumble is still in here, which, by the way, if Rumble had beaten Romero, you know, it doesn't undo all of what the tournament was going to be anyway. Of course, losing Romero is terrible, but... Um, it's not catastrophic if Rumble was able to stay in the tournament. It looks like he will be.
0: Well, not only in the tournament, but to be to for Bellator to get him to stay on this card, I thought was a big move. Two fifty eight is a sneaky. Great card for Friday Night Bell Tour Showtime, 9 p.m. Eastern. Am I paid to say that? Well, maybe the 9 p.m. Eastern part, but not that it's a sneaky, good-ass fight card. I mean, you got MVP in there against Derek Anderson. You got Patrick, uh Pitbull trying to get a title shot. There's a lot of good things going on, but I think you really needed Rumble. It, and I don't think that we're going to be able to get over the lament of not having Rumble Romero in this tournament. I mean, it, it just brought a lot of extra stature and eyes but Rumble staying in is very key, and I'm interested to see who this Jose Augusto is and from Brazil and how good he is. Now, he did make his Bellator debut April 2nd, Luke, and, and won a first-round submission. He's won five in a row. He started off his career 2-2, two and two, but he's won five in a row since joining Team Pitbull, and that's the key part. He's with Patricio and Patrici in Brazil. Uh, there's a savagery in that camp that we know it's very elite level MMA and here's a guy who has confidence he he was he picked up you know he answered the phone when they called and we do have to remember do I think he's Daniel Cormier in waiting and going to win this whole tournament probably not but there's still questions about Anthony Rumble Johnson that can only be answered in a real fight with the four-year layoff. That 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 that's the intrigue. We can't wait to see. So if you got at least somebody who's credible, who's hungry, who wants to go in there and find that out, we know that. Um, augusto has has a ground game has a submission game luke we know that that is probably the weakness of rumble johnson if you're going to get underneath that power and try to expose him so i am looking forward to this matchup no it's not rumble romero i'm not trying to sell you that this brazilian guy's the next uh you know uh uh little nog or middle nog for all that but uh luke i'm glad that we're going to get some rumble action on friday because we need to see where he's at and if he wins him and Nemkov is going to be a fight like that is going to be something we are going to be rightfully excited about. And the fact that Bellator still has the chance to make Rumble Romero maybe later this year or the year after, or how about as soon as we f- possibly freaking can? I-, I mean, there's a- there's a silver lining at least on on this cloud. I'm not trying to you know put put all you know soft sweeten it up completely. Losing Rumble Romero, it still hurts. It's still real to me, damn it. But uh, I'm glad he's staying on the card
1: yeah i mean the good news is if you if there's there's still a question whether the opponent is romero whether the opponent is you or me or azevedo whoever it is there's a question about where it is what does rumble look like now i mean we saw the pictures mike baum went down to sanford mma rumble appears to be in tremendous physical condition but he's got to make weight you know that's not all that's, that's not a given necessarily i mean it should be fine but okay let's see how he looks when he makes weight and if he does make weight Now, Azevedo does have two losses, but they were from, like, 2014 and 2012, 2013. He's taken a lot of time off in his career, and he kind of picked it back up around 2019, where he fought twice, and then once, twice in 2021, or this will be a second in 2021 already. So, you know, whatever losses he has was from a time in his career when he wasn't nearly as well-trained. I tend to think that this isn't a fight Rumble should lose, but we don't exactly know what Rumble we're going to get here. It could be the rumble that you know flattened DC. It could be the one that you know submitted to him minutes later. So um, I'm curious to see that part as well. I do think you're right. The fact that this guy's sort of submission oriented makes it kind of interesting. But there's just no denying. I mean, we, we now have had additional reports, by the way, about Romero. It could be some kind of eye issue. You know, you'll recall when they fought, Israel Adesanya, went on a post-fight long rant about how he saw something wrong with with. Uh, romero's eye and that you know he couldn't believe he got it past the doctors well this time he didn't this time he didn't so i'm really hopeful that whatever the issue is they can get it rectified and not just make romero rumble again but get rum- uh, get romero into that bellator mix he's an exciting Camp fighter that's exactly what bellator needs right at this moment and so i'm um, curious about friday but also curious about all the stuff that could come after that
0: and they did get Lorenz Larkin an opponent, so he'll stay on this card, which is good. But Luke, I think it's uh, you know, we're gonna ask the right questions this week. We're you know we're the, we're there to cover this fight card. Uh, I want to find out, you know, did, was this eye injury or whatever it is known about? Given given the comments from Adesanya, did, did the UFC? cut Romero in part because of this I mean these are questions that are you know I want to get from Scott Coker himself and figure it out because Luke I mentioned Wednesday's uh, virtual press conference last week that Romero was at the doctors he was actually at the eye doctor sitting on the exam table doing the 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 media interviews so uh certainly it's an interesting turn of events I hope for UL's case whatever it is uh you know he can get it addressed and we can get him back in there because I know he's 43 but he ain't a real 43 luke okay i mean, also I, I'm, I'm gonna be 43 in july i'm a, i'm in much <laughs> different shape than this man okay
1: fair enough that's true but i will say this just for folks on the Beltor side of things um you know belt undercards historically we've talked about this they've just been like donks from regional talent that they just sign and throw in the undercard because they don't really care they're trying to change that it looks at least a little bit in the showtime era i mean i want to ask scott coker more about this because they do look pretty improved so on this prelim card bc you mentioned it lorenz larkin boy has it been quiet in the world of lorenz larkin recently and he's taken on the former champ Rafael Corvalio. patchy mix was supposed to take on I think um james gallagher he fell off so he's taking on albert morales but patchy mix still on the card logan storley who gave uh uh amasov everything he could handle and then some maybe should have won he's back on this card goyito eric perez is on this card henry corrales is on this card um the guy who's the d2 wrestling champ i think his name is ralphian Stots. he trains out trains out of uh duke rufus he's on this card so there's a lot of like up and down on the prelim card some good ass fights it'd be amazing if we could do like a companion call you know how, how cool that would be bc i'm just throwing I'm it out with there you.
0: Oh, maybe we could talk to our people maybe they'll say well we got to get through this merch hurdle first but i'll say this luke that uh Again, MVP Derek Anderson and and Patrici versus Peter Queely of Sbg. Those are those are some interesting fights. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the man who rumbles fighting Luke. Uh, look, Brazilian people tend to have a lot of names. This is not that's not that's not insensitive
1: of me. He's no, got Latin ins- people Latin people generally anybody who's especially the Catholic ones, bro. They got a million names.
0: Well, his nickname is Gugu. It's Juan Augusto Acevedo, but it looks like Wikipedia is just calling him Juan Augusto. But you know, Bellator, they, sometimes they just call people by their nickname. We might just call this guy Gugu all night. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe maybe Rumble will turn him into Gugu eyes,
1: Luke. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we, we will see what happens. I'm sure he's a good fighter. All right. Uh, let's go to this last but not least topic, BC. Well, we are here. It is now Canelo Fight Week, ladies and gentlemen. He takes on Billy Joe Saunders. Now, we'll have a lot more coming up on this. In fact, BC, if I'm not wrong, I know you have an interview with Canelo. I believe you have one with Billy Joe Saunders this week as well. So keep it locked to MK because BC is going to get you ready uh, by talking to those two main event competitors. A lot of different storylines for this one, BC. I'll tell you mine first. I'd love to react to it if you would. Sure. And then tell me what you've got in your mind. So if I had to ask what the biggest storyline is, here's one I'm paying attention to. Everyone is telling me, and again, I have a lot of learning to do. So everyone is telling me that Billy Joe Saunders is a is a very talented fighter, which that I know, and is a real threat to Canelo, which I take seriously enough his ability to think that Canelo is going to have to work for it. But I also think Canelo is probably a little bit better than they imagine. Here's my question about this fight. Let's imagine we're overestimating Billy Joe Saunders, which we could be wrong to do. But for the sake of argument... Let's say Canelo goes in there and does to him what he did to Callum Smith. Just kind of makes, you know, I'm up here, you're down there kind of scenario. I don't know what the next fight would be where you would have a scenario where you could convince me the fighter had a chance. You can convince me right now Billy Joe Saunders has a chance. Maybe Caleb Plant, although I don't really think so with him either. But let's say, if dude, if Canelo runs over Billy Joe Saunders, if... How are you going to convince people that there's anyone left that's a real challenge for him unless he goes to 175? I'll convince you. Convince I,
0: me. T- t- excuse me, Professor uh, Professor Salt and Pepper. Uh, so here's a, a little bit of news that sprinkled in when Canelo did a media day in the gym the other day. Eddie Reynoso, who of course is Canelo's trainer and I think his co manager, uh, they kind of said the same thing, Luke, of if he unifies all four titles, becomes the undisputed champion at 168, which is his plan. And by the way, again, when we talk on Friday about that Graham Benzinger interview with Canelo, the fact that he's like, the best thing about being a free agent is I could fight as much as I want to. Canelo's trying to fight four times this year, plus that fight in December. So it's like, I mean, it's insane. If he gets all four belts, you know what Eddie Reynoso said, Luke? Mm. Let's go up to 175 and fight better, beef Oh, and that, is, shit. that is in complete contrast, of course, to the past about six months ago when Canelo said, Eddie Renoso told me we're not going near that guy. I give up, you know, I give away too many advantages. But I think it's the combination of Canelo realizing he's the best fighter in the sport and he wants to leave as big as a freaking imprint as he possibly can in terms of his greatness. Nobody's doing that anymore in boxing. We've got boxing businessmen who want to win titles and become draws so then they can just keep taking in the money for being a draw. And I'm not here to criticize them. Remember those guys in the 80s and 90s, Luke, that all they wanted to do was be great? takes a physical toll on you. So I get that there's a balance involved. But the fact that Canelo is going out of his friggin' way to prove to you how great he is, to me, that's the storyline of the fight. I also think Jamal Charlo, when he moves up to 168, is going to be a very, very tough challenge because you don't often see Canelo fight guys with that combination of foot speed and power because there just aren't a ton out there on that super, super elite level who can also box. So there are some challenges out there, but to hear that they're willing... You know, we won a title at 75 before. Maybe it's because Better Beef didn't look like a million bucks in his comeback from that long layoff. Maybe Better Beef is pushing 36, right? So I get that, but. This is all really good news. So here's the deal on Saunders. Luke, do you get the same DM slides that I get, which is from people going, I've been following Luke's breakdowns of MMA for years. Nobody outside of Dan Hardy has a technical grasp of what's going on. How does he not realize that Billy Joe Saunders is a threat in this fight? How is Luke not up to speed on BJS like he needs to be to realize that from a technical standpoint, this Canelo fight is really freaking interesting. I'll answer it for you, Luke. Okay? Because Billy Joe Saunders doesn't always show up. And that's been the problem. Mm. He's a hard guy to negotiate with. He's a trash talker. He's a lot of different things. But he'll play down to the level of his opponent when there is not a large threat there. Not the only fighter to ever do that. But there have been some fights. You want to go back and watch the Chris Eubank Jr. fight. You want to watch the David Lemieux fight. There have been fights where the Andy Lee fight, where actually Saunders uh, Saunders showed a lot of power that we didn't know he had. But the thing about Saunders that is great is he's different. He's unique. So my biggest storyline entering this fight is that this is a potential trap fight and always has been for Canelo. I know there's the argument, and it's a real one, that who the hell is ever going to win a decision over Canelo Alvarez in, 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 the, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in these United States, right? In Vegas or Texas or wherever. And this one's in Florida, by the way. And it's a great question, right? But Billy Joe Saunders can stall. He can hold the ball. He can do some of these, sometimes we call it negative fighting, but he can do it in a way that Mm -hmm. scores and that controls the fights. He throws looping punches. He's a southpaw. He can crouch at the waist and really fight, fight a weird crab style. He knows how to control distance. He'll hold. He'll do some shitty stuff that maybe won't be the most entertaining, but he's gonna make this hard, and again, When you're somebody of Canelo's level of fame, you don't need to go out of your way to to be the undisputed champion. There's very few undisputed champions in boxing in the four-belt era. It's really hard to do. The sanctioning bodies don't make it easy. But Canelo is, like, going out of his way to do that. That's the storyline of this fight, Luke, that if Billy Joe Saunders comes in, and there's no reason why he shouldn't come in the very best of himself this is a very interesting fight on paper and for anyone listening that's a real boxing fan they remember Arislandi Lara that was a very interesting fight on paper I thought Lara edged him it was very close when they went to the cards this is just like that Saunders can do things in there that very few people can and he's going to really tax the brain of Canelo and to me that's really interesting I'd rather see that than him go fight Somewhat basic UK guy. Now Kelm Smith, it's it's rude to call him somewhat basic UK guy. Yeah, that's a little a little unfair. Against Canelo, he kind of looked like somewhat basic UK guy. Yes. So did Rocky Fielding, right? So did Liam Smith. But this is this is a little bit different cat here in BJS, right? He's got that gypsy blood, man. He's he's a wild dude, but uh this could be a fun fight on Saturday.
1: I tend to think it will be competitive in spots, but I also tend to think that like when it's over. uh canelo's gonna put it on him but you know we'll see certainly you guys know more about boxing um and and billy Joe saunders than i do and i certainly have to respect that as well uh okay fun weekend of fights coming up fun weekend that just passed uh we've been talking to each other and asking us questions now it's time for you to ask us questions it's time for dms from dogs Uh Uh oh All right, we always put up a post on Instagram every Sunday asking for your questions. You guys fill it up. The producers pick them, and then they send them to us. They kind of got to this one already, BC, so we'll go first. Is Yuri Prochka what we thought and what we hoped Johnny Walker was going to be? This is from Muhammer8. Muhammer, yeah,
0: Muha, Muhammer, however you want to say it. He's, he's a, I got, he's the a no Johnny G.
1: Walker comparison to me is a little... You know, I understand it. I understand it, but it's not quite right because he was often reacting to pressure in certain ways, Prochaska is an absolute in-your-face, I'm going to just force the fight on you. That's a little more Tony Ferguson than... And again, the way he gets hit is just so Justin Gaethje or pre-reformation. So,
0: you know, uh, Walker's not as brutal, not as intentionally brutal. Walker's accidentally brutal. And what I mean by that is he's just a freak next level athlete who will try crazy shit and he went on that run there where everything he tried was landing within 60 seconds so uh you know i've i've clowned on walker for being a clown i think some i think that's distracted from his actual ability in the same way michelle pededa did until he sort of figured it out and again there's still time for walker to figure out but they are very different i mean prohatska is a old school martial arts warrior who's coming in there to take your soul if you'll let him luke but Don't you let them, bro. You know? Wow. Right. Wow. Uh,
1: All right. From Raucus Bacchus. Would you rather and why attend Joshua Fabia School of Self-Awareness for a full term or have Tito Ortiz serve as your mayor pro tem for a full term? Man, (laughs) fuck having Tito Ortiz having a say over anything when it comes to governance. That guy can't even govern a sentence uh gotta be i would go and take joshua Fabio's school of self-awareness because people there at least look in shape i'll say that for them you might learn a couple of things along the way certainly you get an inside look into weirdness that would be kind of interesting ortiz is just boring you know borderline malfeasance and total ignorance about the world there's nothing fun about that
0: yeah shout out to people like borishina depot who like do god's work and they'll like sit through these like town meetings over there in huntington beach and just pull <laughs> out all the ridiculous things that happen with t i mean it's 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 wild yeah this this question sucks they're both pretty shitty but i think i'd go through Tito ortiz for the shits and giggles uh well if he was your mayor of your time i mean that could god that could really be destructive i mean that could really be bad for your town yeah um, if
1: something happens and then they push this fool into the mayor role yeah. yeah, you know no. I might have
0: to go Fabia. Here's what's interesting, though. Look, I, I know that you know we we spent a lot of time on this on Friday, but you saw more videos came out on Diego Sanchez's IG. Um, I mean, they could Fabia and, and Diego, whoever's running that, could not be trying to bury themselves worse. But <laughs> it seems pretty obvious from that phone call they leaked with uh, Sean Shelby and the in the UFC legal that
1: and Hunter Campbell, yeah,
0: yeah, that they're mounting, you know, some type of lawsuit. So I feel like you will never hear fabia's name again like he'll be scraped from the record of ufc history you'll never see a fighter trained by him I, like ufc will just put on the full on get away from us we know that your angle is litigious just get the hell away from us so um You know, I don't know what that means for Diego's future. But did you hear, Luke, that – because we said on the broadcast – we said on our show on Friday when we showed that, you know, free at last IG post that he added the late Johnny Tapia's wife. And there's some people saying that Diego Sanchez is being tabbed to play Johnny Tapia in an upcoming movie. And if you don't know Tapia, he's from New Mexico. He passed away, but he was a – fun and ferocious boxer in the small weight divisions had some incredible uh fights uh showtime did a a documentary on him that was fantastic and uh can Diego Sanchez act and play that role
1: I don't think so maybe um I will say I heard that video he put out the third one where they, they if you guys didn't hear it basically it's uh Joshua Fabia having a call with Sean Shelby briefly, but mostly Hunter Campbell, who's sort of like this high-level attorney who serves a variety of functions inside the organization. And basically, like, they called it, like, Diego was like, oh, here's a smoking gun. If you listen to the call, Hunter Campbell and Sean Shelby come off totally reasonable. <laughs> like, like absolutely doing their due diligence, staying in compliance with the laws, staying in compliance with company values, quite frankly, staying in compliance with athlete health and safety and doing nothing else. Like there's just one comment that's not rude, but it's kind of like blunt where, you know, Hunter Campbell says we don't want someone who has, you know, who's like drooling on himself later to be like, Oh, we had a problem and UFC ignored it. You know, it's a little bit blunt to hear someone say about a fighter, but he's not wrong. Like I listened to the call. I'm like, yeah, if you're in that role that those two guys are in, you do exactly what they did. And then they published it being like smoking gun. I'm like, I don't know what attorney you're going to find that's going to take this case that has any chance of winning, but good luck to you, I guess.
0: And tell me dead wrong myself. The Johnny Tapia doc was on HBO, not Showtime, and we don't we don't talk about that network on here, apparently, Luke. so let me, let me dead
1: wrong <laughs> They don't myself. do boxing anymore. All right, uh, from T. Elliott. After seeing Dom Reyes lose twice in a row, do you think John Jones would have suffered a loss, I think three in a row, really, or no, two in a row, sorry, uh, in the light heavyweight division by now if he had stayed active there? I got to tell you, BC, John Jones has already lost. He did not win that uh, Dominic Reyes fight. The only reason he won is because of the rules in Texas. Fact. He lost three of those five rounds. There's not a doubt in my mind. And yes, to answer the question, I do think he would have lost. I don't know. And again, dude, I've been a bigger John Jones believer in any capacity than most of my brethren. I've spent a long time studying him. I, I'm not con- I don't know what the answer is, BC. I'm telling you flat out I don't know what the answer is. It's amazing, But the I'm not automatically you're... convinced that he's going to go to heavyweight and run over everybody. I, he might, but I need to see it to believe it first.
0: It's amazing the grace that you have for him, despite him openly sending you to hell. I wish you had that same grace for a Champion and you know others, Luke. But that's, yeah, but that's they, the what she
1: did times. was way worse. Robert Half Research
0: indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Anyway, uh, that I was thinking about that in the shower yesterday, of all places, Luke. Uh, that you know, John got out at the right time. Now I, I say that because people are getting these nasty knockouts in, you know, uh, Reyes and Tiago Santos, who pushed John to the limit and may have beaten him in front of her eyes, have lost since then and lost multiple times or whatever. But you know, that's also playing MMA math. That was before the injury for Maheta, so we probably got the very best, peak version of Mahetta. And for Dom Reyes, that was the undefeated, never-been-handled, you know, peak version who didn't go on to lose three in a row, right? So you can't fully do MMA math, but yet at the same time, seeing what Prochaska did... John got out at the right time. And I and like you said, I still don't know. I, I've been the most hardcore believer in John Jones as a heavyweight, and I still want to see it him, and I still believe he can beat anybody not named Ngannou, but we got to see it, man. We got to see it. So I, I can't wait to see it. That's it. That's it.
1: Uh, so from Shank13, kind of, Canelo recently stated that if both he and Mayweather fought each other in their primes... Mayweather wouldn't have a chance and wouldn't want anything to do with him. Do you agree? I kind of do.
0: It's an interesting uh, question here. Now, it's a little bit hard, though, because they fought at a catchweight of 152 pounds in 2013. Canelo cut down two pounds to do it. Mayweather came in at 151.5, which was the highest weight he ever weighed in at. Canelo's prime, in reality, Luke, is probably the middleweight run he had. The two fights with Golovkin, even though... I kind of thought he lost both, but that's another topic for another day. You could even argue that who he is right now at 168 is the fully evolved prime version of Canelo Alvarez. Canelo's not, or Floyd's not fighting those guys at 160 or 168, right? So, you know, Canelo went on after that loss to Floyd to have a very good run at 154 and what we called Canelo weight. He would fight people at 155 pounds for no reason, right? He fought Cotto there. He did a lot of that. Um, I don't think the best version I've seen of Canelo at 154 or 5 can beat Floyd. But to his point, the fighter he has evolved into right now, if they somehow met in a magical middleweight uh, weight in the middle where it made sense, I still have to see it. I don't know, it's hard, Luke, because Floyd was selective in his matchmaking. He fought guys at key times. You know, there's a lot of guys, Shane Mosley, Oscar De La Hoya who will tell you, "Oh, man, you know, I pushed him to the limit when I was old. Imagine if I fought him in my prime." And some guys you can believe it i'll take prime oscar de la hoya from welterweight from 1999 before he lost to trinidad i think he beats prime welterweight mayweather just my two cents mm. there you know mm. i don't know if prime shane mosley at lightweight where he was one of the best lightweights of all time if he can beat prime lightweight mayweather i'd love to see that happen i don't know if canelo can here but at the very least you can admit and agree That although Canelo, I thought, lost all 12 rounds against Mayweather and really had a shitty game plan.
1: Hey, C.J. Ross, you know that's not true.
0: uh, Floyd caught him at the damn right time. He was a little bit too young, naive, and unseasoned. He made him come down two pounds. And to Floyd's credit, you could argue that's the best performance of his career. We always give that nod to Floyd dismantling Diego Corrales or when he came back from retirement to beat Marquez, it just mopped the floor with him. But that Canelo fight, I mean, I'll put that version. Look, So, Luke, the version of Floyd from the Canelo fight, I still might like him to beat the best version of Canelo. And that's not, that's not me taking shots. It just is what it is. Floyd's an equalizer. He's a stopper. He takes what you do best and takes it away from you, right? I think the
1: best argument for Canelo in this case is that Floyd, you know, Floyd does everything intentionally, virtually everything intentionally. Like, if he makes a call about something, it is something he has thought about for quite a long time, And, you know, if he pulls the trigger on it, he likes his chances to do quite well. You're like, well, everyone's like that. But, yeah, but Floyd's really good at it. Floyd's really good at getting that calculus very correct. You know, he just doesn't make a lot of mistakes, not merely in the ring, but in all the things that happened before getting to the ring as it relates to fighting. So, in that sense, uh, the fact that he got Canelo pre-prime, it's like the best argument for Canelo is that Floyd knew that was his window. You know, after that maybe Floyd could have won. I'm not saying he couldn't have won. It's a different fight. It's a very different fight at that point. You know, if you could even find the weights to get them there at the same time. But, but, um, interesting. Uh, by the way, I saw another interview with Floyd over the weekend. This is like the third one I've seen like this where people keep asking him, like, who was like the toughest fighter you ever faced or toughest moments. He keeps going back to Emmanuel Augustus. Always,
0: always, yes. Always
1: goes back to, he, he gives that guy a lot of credit. It's kind of funny.
0: That was sort of prime... Drunken Master Augustus. I think that aired on... Remember when HBO did that spin off boxing series called KO Nation where they had Ed Lover yes, as the host? Yes, I do had, actually
1: remember that, yes. They had a
0: DJ on set. Um, you know, that was a tough fight because Augustus was kind of fighting dirty. Absolutely. He was doing the, the the weird movement. Yeah, that that's an interesting fight to revisit for Floyd. Um, yeah, uh, but, you know... Floyd lost the first fight to Jose Luis Castillo. Dude, That's, are we gonna I'll, I'll do
1: go a resume review for Floyd before the Logan fight for Showtime? Oh,
0: no, you can't. You can't. Look, as much as I love the curse, and I <laughs> look, I want to challenge the curse. In fact, Raven, right, WCW, ECW sensation Raven, DM me and said to prove if the curse is real or not, you and Luke need to do it on Nganu in his next fight. Just, just, just do it. Prove it. It's too
1: early for him. It's too early.
0: It might be. It might be too early for him. Um, but. You can't, you can't try that on... No, oh, you can't. That, that's just... Yeah.
1: I, think, I think we need to do that. A Floyd resume review before the Logan Paul fight. Well, he's going to end really up pulling out of the fight.
0: Fate. He's going to get COVID or something and pull out of the fight if that happens, right?
1: He might. He might. Uh, all right, last but not least on this. With both 145... This is from G 8305 With both 145 and 155 title fights coming up soon, which pairing would you prefer to see square off if a champ-champ fight were to take place, uh, they misspelled it. So Volkanovski versus Chandler or Ortega versus Dobronks. Which one would you rather see?
0: God, just just a little bit on the record here. Can I go on the record? I mean, I love Dobronks versus Chandler. They're both amazing. The fact that this is a title fight and Poirier isn't in this, even though he presumably yeah, had the shameful. choice. It's, it's, it's not a real title. I mean, it's shameful. It, it, it sucks. So now we're all we're already talking about champ champing him. I didn't think Cejudo, who went on to prove to me how great he was, when Cejudo got a chance to be a champ champ, I'm like, you kidding me? We're giving this guy the chance right now? I mean, he doesn't even, you know. So can we slow down with this? But which matchup would I like better? Volkanovski Chandler. Well, well.
1: No. I guess. I'm going Ortega-Dobronks. They can both strike their ass off. And on the mat, it would be if they got it there. It would be uh, very interesting to see.
0: I guess I like the style contrast of Chandler being a slugger and Volkanovski being a guy who can play chess and, and just you know matador you. Yeah. But yeah, you can't lose with either. But I think you can lose with challenge. Look, are you secretly hoping? No, I can't say that because we don't actually want it to happen. But are you secretly hoping someone falls out so Chandler versus Bronx doesn't happen for the title and instead?
1: No, because. On some level, that fight is still tremendous. I mean, w- whether it should be for the title, whether it is for the title, forget all that. Is that a sick fight? It's a sick fight.
0: Am I overly romanticizing the meaning of the title here? I just feel like Pua Wei should be fighting for it, but not against Connor. So maybe I should shut up because if you're telling me Connor uh, Dustin threes for the title, I'm like, really? You know, so maybe I jo- can't. Jordan
1: Breen but... was making a point on Twitter over the weekend about light heavyweight, which is that you might find there's some parody at the top, and then the title kind of changes hands. Maybe Blahovich holds it for a little while, and then maybe Glover takes it. Then maybe Prochaska takes it from him, and then maybe Rakic takes it from him. And, you know, you always want one star if you're the UFC in a division that you can promote as, like, the guy. But if you're the fans, having that uneasiness, it creates intrigue. It's kind of fun. It's like a hot potato. It's You're curious to see where it all ends up. So you could get something kind of similar at lightweight while we're waiting for Poirier and McGregor to do their business. All right, all right all right uh sir it's time for your shit let's all see right, i'm trying
0: to get you out of here in time to get on an airplane luke so here's what we do we scour the globe every monday for the uh, good and bad the highs and lows all that and then some tall pale and handsome it's your boy bc presenting the shit for the week and have you seen this shit
1: do we have a oh yes we do here we are oh god Ow, ow.
0: Luke, let's start on the opening fight of UFC Fight Night Vegas. Did you see this slam, slam, when the boys were boys as Felipe Colaris picked up Luke Sanders and Frank Trigged his ass, Luke?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's Matt Hughes, Frank Trigg number two, right there.
0: But it didn't slam against the ground. It slammed against the fence, Luke.
1: Yeah, this is know this is Mr. Sanders got to work on his breakfalls falls. There Dude, there was bit. some
0: torque on that shit. So the problem here for Luke Sanders, who I love, Cool Hand Luke, he falls to just three and five in the UFC, Luke. I don't know if his days are numbered. But let's not forget, he did bang WWE star Becky Lynch in 2018.
1: Good for him. And also, you know, for a guy who's three and five, I mean, you should watch this guy fight, like, He's very talented. It tells you how hard it is to succeed in MMA.
0: It really is. It really is. Let's keep on going. This is from Friday's UFC weigh-in. The Incredible Hulk himself, Ayan Kutelaba. Luke, did you like this movie pulled on Dustin Jacoby?
1: Yeah, that was was weird. It's like, come kiss me, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, Tui, it's, it's me, it's Hardy. Yeah, I got the shoe ready. Let, let's bang.
1: By the way, Dana White all over Sean Shelby for, like, you know, you know, Jeremy Stevens is a savage. You got to get in the middle. How do you not know that with Ion Kute Laba? I think he ultimately admitted he fucked this one up. Yes. But it's like, dude, Kute Laba does this literally every time. Every time he does some weird ass shit. Here he is trying to kiss Dustin Jacoby, I guess. I don't know what the fuck that was.
0: It was a fun fight, by the way, Luke. I know yeah, it, was it was a draw, but Kutelaba's 10-8 first round, which not every judge gave him 10-8, it was dominant early.
1: Dominant. Yeah, he, he kind of stuck it to him early, but Jacoby's improved, man. He's he's a force to be reckoned with. I like I like what he's doing these days.
0: All right, PBC on Fox, pay-per-view from Carson, California. This is deep on the undercard. Look at this brawl between Adrian Granados in the black and Jose Sanchez. They went at it for eight rounds. It's a majority draw in the end, Luke, but good action here.
1: Oh, bro, they're just swinging. No footwork.
0: Granados, a heavy favorite, Luke. He settles for a draw, and unfortunately, this was, like, untelevised on the deep undercard. Granados just fought, like, Danny Garcia and all these, like, big-name guys recently, you know?
1: Yeah, well, he's getting tuned up here. All
0: right. Well, Luke, there's a lot of rumors of this Lennox Lewis-Mike Tyson old-guy fight that you refused to let me put in the rundown, but did you see the inside of Lennox Lewis's sport coat here as Brian Kenny teed him up? A little throwback to 2002. Lennox Tyson from the Pyramid in Memphis. That's pretty
1: cool. I mean, could his shirt be more untucked? What are we doing here?
0: Wow, look at you getting all on Lennox. Hey, remember that time last week when I was like, "Look, this this needs to be in the rundown. This is interesting." In fact, I think Lennox mentioned on Morning Combat that it's going to happen. You were like, "I don't care about that shit."
1: Dude, a a TMZ vulture got in Tyson's face, asking him nonsense, and Tyson responded with something that could be true, but also appeared to be nonsense. When it becomes, you know, a little bit more than nonsense, we can talk about it.
0: Okay. Also on this undercard, uh, former 154 Unified champ Arislandi Lara moved oh up to middleweight, and he took on poor Thomas Cornflake Lamana. Luke, boxing fans that know know how criminal this matchmaking was, and it played out KO1. What's even worse than the matchmaking is that they put a belt on the line. It's like a you know, junior vacant interim WBA middleweight title. And, you know, even Jimmy Lennon announced it as the WBA championship of the world. Like, I'm glad Brian Kenny on the broadcast, like, called this out, because come on, come on, boxing. Be better than this, please. Also,
1: Also, this is the classic example of what I mean when I say testifying in church. Watch the head and the hands go flying. Bow, testifying right there.
0: That's kind of hurt getting hit in the ear, though. That that's gonna that's gonna cost
1: him. And like the jaw slash throat, it's weird.
0: By the way, I do know Cornflake Lamana. I love him. He's a fun kid. He's had some fun fights on the lower levels, and uh, but uh, he got <laughs> he got sent to the <laughs> the this hell side bad. of the cereal bowl here. That is uh, wow. All right. So Luke, I mentioned Chris Ariola was unhappy with the scoring in this fight. Let's listen to him in the ring afterwards. Mutual respect for one another. Absolutely, man. You know what? I respect the judges, but today, I always said that beauties in the eye of the beholder, they like a butterface. Everything's pretty, but their face. Honestly, man, did he win? Fine. But don't tell me you're only going to give me two, three rounds. Fuck that. I'm going to be like Dr. Dre. All y'all can suck my motherfucking dick. Look at it! It only gets crazier from here. Here's the post-fight press conference with Ariola. So, you know what? Fuck
1: these judges. I want to come back, and I want to just you know these, ju- these judges just leave with sour taste in my mouth, man. It makes me feel like why am I doing this? Why am I doing this when they're fucking turning around and just raping me? And that's exactly what I got right now. I got it straight
0: up the ass. <laughs> Like for oh, real, God. yeah. No vaseline, Joe. hurt. I cried. It I know it's not fair at all. You no, know,
1: like for real, man. Like. Luke, yeah, uh, your thoughts, please. Dude, what have we done with our lives? That this is the shit we're doing. I mean, what the what fucking losers we are.
0: He has a son in his arms. I don't know if you can see it on the video there. I know when he's,
1: he's listening- sitting there describing graphic details of. <laughs> of sodomy uh forced sodomy no less oh boy and you know his kid is right there his kid is like baby shark (laughs) and his dad comes around let's talk about sodomy god damn it
0: even even joe goosin was like whoa dude whoa like hold on a second here come on bro by the
1: way i saw over the weekend i had never even heard of this film at which everyone crucified me for but had you ever seen the edward james almost uh film american me
0: no, but I saw you tweeted. it. I, I might watch it. Jesus.
1: Now. Dude, that is a... Well, there's a lot of forced... You know, well, rape is by definition forced. <laughs> but there's a lot of prison rape in this movie KBC, that is great. Hey, come
0: see this film. You'll love it. It's rapey. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's Thanks, full of Cosby, prison things. rape. You Thanks. know, yeah, things yeah. you love. <laughs> Alright, uh, Luke, there was a lot of brawls on this undercard I won't show them all to you, but I will show oh, you the God. brawls in the crowd Here's the first one, Luke, look at that. Yeah,
1: dude, so thrilled that the fans are back I like how they keep <laughs> their masks on, they're COVID conscious that guy's When they're shirt fist fighting off? in the arena
0: Look at the guy shirtless now
1: He looks like Chris Ariola without tattoos
0: <laughs> Well, Luke, that wasn't the only one Here's a Sergio Mora's cell phone captured this from the crowd Here's the second one of the evening Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Get some of that. By the way, I saw a lot of uh, MMA fans getting to my DMs and being like, BC, you see this? Oh, my God. I'm like, bro, you ever been to a boxing match, a big championship fight at MSG or the Barclays? This shit happens a lot, bro, okay? You know what I'm saying, Luke? This is part yeah. of the deal. You know, it's part of the. You ever been to an NFL game? I mean, seriously.
1: Oh, and I've seen some brawls at NFL games that were... I mean, epic.
0: Ooh, look this at that is one. pretty
1: good. Yeah, yeah I'm be- just, you know, count me in as I like sports without fans. You know, you can, you can crucify me for it. I yeah, you're care. really
0: trying to trying to die on that hill, Luke. We'll see if your gallbladder withstands that hill for you. All right, <laughs> let's go to regional MMA. Luke, anything can happen in regional MMA. Here's slick Nick Gents with a flying knee through the shadows of night. Here, Luke. Oh. Now, you know, Luke, I got to be suspect here of this venue. If you can't see the strike coming, they always say that the the flying knees you don't see are the ones that hurt you the most. I can't even see these guys in the darkness here, Luke.
1: Yeah, he does a skip step jab. Yeah, and then comes from behind. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, Luke, uh, would you take a drink from this fountain? I know you're a big comic book guy.
1: would you blow superman i don't know dude would he like <laughs> if he busted a nut would it just blow through the back of someone's skull you know
0: shout out to former guns and roses guitarist slash for that for providing this on the internet thank you so much there slash uh let's go over here luke uh minnesota united fc in the mls check out this souvenir this this uh this football player gave this fan luke
1: Wow.
0: Oh, we're going to get a zoom in here. Uh, it's a contact sport. You've got to be careful out there. Wow. Let's get that guy some smelling salts to go with that, uh, that scarf he's wearing, Luke.
1: No, get him ejected. Can you imagine going to it? Like It's like, how'd you get COVID? Oh, I went and saw two shitty-ass soccer teams play.
0: <laughs> I and I got a... hit in
1: the face with a COVID-covered ball.
0: <laughs> I mean, this guy, that's best, that's full force right there. Wow, that is... Uh, whew, okay. Hey, let's go over to the uh, Francis Ngannou here. Did you see this video of him arriving in his native Cameroon? Luke, the people were going shit for the... They were going crazy. I love it. I love when this happens.
1: I did see this. He posted a bunch of it on his Instagram feed. Dude, he was meeting heads of state. He put the belt on his family. He's got this hero's welcome. It's unbelievable to watch this.
0: Yeah, heads of state, lawyers, doctors. No one was too hip for her. Uh, Luke, I will say this one day, I hope, in my factory town, Naugatuck, Connecticut, I can do something good enough to get one of these things, Luke, okay? Maybe you won't. Maybe when Factory Town MMA gets its first world champion. Maybe. 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 Okay, hey, let's go to the rugby pitch, Luke. All these Down Under fans we have are sending us all this bullshit. But check this hit out. Wow. Oh, yikes! Look at that Samoan fella that just laid him out. Woo! Is that Roman? Pacific Reigns?
1: Islander of some kind of way. I don't know if he's Samoan exactly, but yeah, he fucked him up good.
0: Woo! Is that an ejection? Do you get ejected for that, or do you get a, rewarded for that? I'm not sure how this I think you,
1: works. yeah, there's certain rules about tackling in rugby. There's certain shit you can't do.
0: All right. Luke, you love that outdoor gym that that guy made with, with uh, wood and stuff. Check out this guy north of the border here, the Arctic outdoor gym. Can you relate to this, Luke?
1: No, this shit is lame.
0: Well, he's got ice buckets. He's got, no, that's lame. I mean,
1: he's using an earthquake bar, which is what that's called.
0: I mean, when you live in upstate Minnesota, Luke, they have like indoor. Yeah, maybe put the gym
1: inside. That's just me thinking out loud.
0: Says the guy who works out in his front lawn and in. uh, I don't have
1: fucking snow. I don't have to. I don't have to do reps like the lady from Frozen, where I'm like, let it go, let it go. I can just go put on fucking weights.
0: I think this guy's more dedicated than you, and you're jealous. That's what I think at the end of the day. Anyway.
1: I wish I had that Cambridge bar right there. I can tell you that. Okay.
0: Hey, Tyson Fury's back in the gym preparing, maybe for Anthony Joshua. Who knows? But, Luke, can we stop seeing this man's package here? Let's run this video. Look at these ball huggers he's wearing. What is this? I mean,
1: honestly, honestly, just go naked. Why do you have the red shorts on? <laughs> who is it you think you're fooling?
0: Well, it is red panty night, Luke. We're rich, baby. All right, so there's that. And okay. his
1: gross ass goes right into his back. I mean, what are we doing?
0: <laughs> hey, fast food alert, Luke. I don't know what to call this. Maybe a heart attack in waiting. Would you eat this monstrosity?
1: That would send me to the hospital. <laughs> so I'm not even a- doing, BC, I'm not even doing a bit. <laughs> so the way my gallbladder works is it, it helps digest fat in the body. So they always tell you, like, avoid high fat stuff, which means you can still have unhealthy stuff, but it has to be low in fat. This is high in fat. This would be me calling you an hour later, being like, "I hope you got gas in your Lilith Fair mobile because we're headed back to the ER,
0: (laughs) back at hospital. Get ready, here comes Luke. Well, look, this is a uh, Luke. We're running out of time. Let's keep it going here. Okay, Uh, drunk chick fall of the week, Luke. I guess there was a special on mimosas here at this uh, brunch." You gotta, be, you gotta be careful yeah
1: is she white bc i couldn't yeah. tell oh, oh well. yeah
0: well yeah, uh, yeah okay very yeah. very
1: off-brand whiteness here i'm very surprised
0: <laughs> okay let's keep it going here let's go over to the golf uh luke i think they call this one a hole in two maybe
1: i hope this asshole oh good lord <laughs>
0: Oh, right in the pills there, Doc, yeah. This, this dumb fuck
1: should be glad he wasn't blinded. He was just made sterile. Ooh, ooh. It was All this right. or three needles, fuckhead. Take take, yeah. take, take yeah. the win.
0: Let's go out to the track here, Luke. You got a 100-meter sprint. All right, to the winner goes the spoils. Who do you got here? The white guy?
1: It's four white guys and a black guy? <laughs>
0: Great. Wow. Fantastic. But you got slow that up. Oh, down.
1: shit. <laughs> Woo. Yes. Yes. It's like, it's like dude, I could have sworn we were running with a black guy. In fact, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he won. And then he just disappeared.
0: The Lord giveth and he taketh away, Luke. All right. I got one more for you. Uh, thank you to Subway Creatures on Instagram for giving us this, Luke. If I see this, I'm never traveling again. I mean, I don't know if I ever want to go on it again, Luke.
1: So he's got a pint of Reese's ice cream, and he's sitting on one of the older New York City subways, because you can tell that the seats go in different directions, and he's just taking it straight to the dome.
0: (laughs) He's got a COVID mask, though. Maybe he's using that as a napkin. You know what? I'm
1: glad he's covering his throat from getting COVID. That's smart
0: all right wow that's the, sh- that's the shit let's end it you got to get it you got to hop here's plan, here's right? probably
1: the best part of that story bc yeah i bet he just found that on the floor and then started <laughs> eating it
0: <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Uh, pretty soon luke you and i were fully vaccinated now we're gonna be back in those same subways
1: all right brother god dude i'm like not looking forward to that at all i gotta be honest with you
0: all right what do you uh, have luke for a uh odds and ends before you get out of here
1: yes odds and ends uh for me i don't know if you guys saw this or not i i i don't know what to make of it she made her debut first of all she looked fucking awesome luana uh pinheiro was her name some brazilian woman i don't know what her level of judo was but it was fucking high she took in she was beating the shit out of random marcos but she took an illegal upkick now bc here's the point i want to make I don't know how bad the upkick was. It looked pretty bad, but I've seen worse. But, you know, you just it's hard to know what the role is. But, you guys, we talked about this during the Aljamain-Sterling fight, which is if you are incentivized to play it up because you can win via disqualification if you do and you don't have to be in a fight anymore, then you just might start seeing that. I, I don't know what happened. I would love to get your take on this, BC, but here's the one point I do want to make about all of this. Are we really going to argue that athletes at this level won't embellish illegal shots if it's in their interest to embellish embellish illegal shots? Yes. Because I got to tell you, whether it happened here or whether it didn't, the idea that that claim is somehow taboo and against the rules, I got to tell you, I don't buy that.
0: That's fair. I thought it was fair for Paul Felder to at least question out loud. It's because of the way she fell. You know, she actually got kicked twice. It was with both feet. And, I, you know, and... I mean again, I'm a keyboard warrior, so I'm not gonna try to act like, you know, getting a flush kick isn't gonna not but the way she fell back was sort of like, Oh, okay, here we go. And then she got carried out of the cage. So I don't know, but I do agree with your point, Luke, unless you know, uh if if the system's set up that way, it it encourages you to do that to get the win. Um I don't know if we're gonna see Random Marcos too much longer. Isn't she like ten and twelve, Luke?
1: Her record is not exemplary. Yeah. Um but you it. know, you got a lot of women who have records like that. You gotta kinda let it slide, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I let it slide. All right. Quickly to close here, Luke. I didn't even talk it up. It, it was kind of under my radar. I knew Katie Taylor, the undisputed lightweight women's boxing champion, was back on the on the over the weekend in the co-main event to the Joseph Parker uh, split decision win over uh, Derek Chisora, which turned out to be an okay fight down the stretch. It was pretty good. Luke, this fight turned into great theater, and I want to shout these mm. two ladies out. So they met... At the 2012 Olympics, it's Natasha Jonas there in the white. She's from the UK. Katie Taylor got the win nine years ago. Jonas has wanted a rematch ever since. She came in with just one defeat. She was the bigger puncher, and although it took a few rounds for this thing to get going, if there was ever a fight that was a better advertisement that we need to get past this archaic two-minute rounds in, in women's boxing, ten rounds in title fights, can we just go 12 rounds, three minutes? What are we doing here? This fight was so much fun. Jonas was the bigger puncher. Katie Taylor gets a very, very close decision victory unanimous at the end, but you could have given it to Jonas just the same, although Taylor outworked her and really put on some speed flurries down the stretch. Jonas walked her down when the fight needed a big moment. She stepped up and brought it. She's kind of sneaky, too, in a few ways, Luke. This was great, and I do want to shout out women's boxing. A lot of fans just avoid it. I've always been like, you know, until you're going to give us a reason to really care... Are we going to care? There's reasons now to care. I love what, you know, I've worked for Ring City USA, the NBC Sports Series. We had a couple of female main events. We had Amanda Serrano on. I mean, the, there's been some really fun fights. We've got players from Clarissa Shields to Katie Taylor to Michaela Mayer. I mean, there's finally faces, and they're marketable, and they're fun. Katie Taylor had those two bouts with Delphi and Persoon that were wars and all action. This one was more of a tactical war but it was high paced it was great theater another big win for katie taylor and you know uh, she's must see luke she she's the pound for pound best in my eyes in the world although clarissa shields is right there and i love that these women are going out of their way to change weight classes and meet each other i hope women's boxing is can continue the run they've been on the last year or two because fights like this are really going to bring new fans i just think we got to get away from these old archaic rules
1: Fair enough. All right, I'm up against it, so we got to close the show here today. Appreciate everybody who watched. As I said, me and BC, show's over. We're both traveling. He's going to drive there. I'm going to fly. But we're going to see all you donks this week at the Mohegan Sun, certainly through our coverage if you're not there live. We're looking forward to covering Bellator 258 on the ground. Tons of content coming your way. So give the video a thumbs up. Hit subscribe. If you want to follow us on social we can put up the graphic here you can see it morning combat's the same name everywhere and bc and i have slightly different names between twitter and facebook please email the show for wednesday's fan submissions as well as friday's dead wrongs or anything else you want to reach the show about morning combat at gmail.com bellator 258 is on friday if you want to try showtime for 30 days you can go to showtime.com get a 30-day free trial when you're ready to take that leap there you go show.com bellator mma 4.99 a month for the first six months. And uh, store.show.com for some merch if you are in the eligible area to get it. All right. For everyone at MoCA, Showtime, CBS Sports, factory towns across America, including but not limited to those in Connecticut, um, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back.